The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. The crowd came together again so that Jesus and his disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And he called to them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mothers and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, And who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Something noteworthy happened this past Wednesday, June 2nd, though it likely went unnoticed to anyone among anyone other than the most avid baseball fans. Major League Baseball marked the first annual celebration of Lou Gehrig Day. Though there has long been a connection between the famous player, Lou Gehrig, and the neurogenerative disorder, it was another man's diagnosis that set out to change the visibility of the disease permanently. Brian Wayne Gallantine received a diagnosis of ALS in 2017, for which there is no known cure and a 100% fatality rate. A country songwriter and producer, a local boy who grew up in Vienna, Virginia, and certainly not a household name like Lou Gehrig, Galantine began wrestling with the question of what he wanted to leave behind, knowing that he had a limited time to live. Though Major League Baseball has certainly celebrated Lou Gehrig's legacy, Galantine saw the potential for an organization with substantial visibility, a reliable fan base, and significant financial resources to make a notable difference for the course of ALS patients in the future. He didn't ask small questions, but rather dared to wonder how his voice and influence might perhaps make it possible 
for the disease to have something other than a 100% fatality rate in the future. With the help of a few friends, Galantine meticulously pursued the support of individual teams and owners, knowing that the league couldn't refuse if each team was on board. This past Wednesday, June 2nd, the day of the first start in Gehrig's 2,130 consecutive games played streak, and the day he died in 1941, Major League Baseball marked the first celebration of Lou Gehrig Day. Galantine was able to celebrate the league's intentions to mark this day, but didn't live to see it come to fruition. His story will likely be subsumed into the footnotes over time, but his efforts illustrate intentions to which we can all relate. Galantine's question is an example of the question we all wrestle with. Does anything last forever? Does anything last forever? Furthermore, can you and I influence whether anything lasts forever? This is one of the most significant questions that the Christian faith and presumably all faith traditions seek to answer. And truthfully, there are countless ways in which the Christian tradition has manipulated the gravity of this question to coerce followers. If our actions have not only an earthly but eternal consequence, the stakes could not be higher. Yet, to present these issues as if there were a formulaic path between earthly behavior and eternal glory is a gross misrepresentation. Perhaps Nietzsche said it more clearly, I'd be more inclined to believe in the Redeemer if his followers looked more redeemed. Here's the thing. Forever is at the heart of God's work in our midst. This business of eternity is part of the character of God, not humanity. God is that which lasts forever. God provides this eternal connection which begins in the here and now through Jesus. Though we struggle to comprehend what we mean when asking about the essence of eternity, it is God's nature to continually point toward relationship. Jesus is the heart and soul of that relationship. And God creates existence in order to be in relationship with us forever. This points us towards the paradox at the heart of the Christian hypothesis. Love is the only thing that lasts forever, says the Reverend Sam Wells. Love and God are the same thing. God is that which lasts forever. And paradoxically, the closer we get to death and the loss that comes with it, the closer we come to eternity. I love Brian Gallantine's story, and I am so hopeful that his legacy will live on so that ALS doesn't continue to take the lives of people like him and my uncle. I am truly in awe of his instinct to turn to hope in the midst of a terminal diagnosis. I'm also aware that no matter what happens with his legacy or with Lou Gehrig's day in the future, 
This question about what lasts forever has already been answered. This question about forever is what Paul attempts to answer in the lesson we just heard from the second letter to the Corinthians. If Jesus has fixed that which was once broken, why does it all seem to be such a mess? In simpler terms, why bother with church, with faith, with any of it? Paul shifts the focus from the immediate to the eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The temporal will always be a mess, he seems to say. But we have been shown a bigger vision that captures both the mess and the glory beyond the mess. We have seen a glimpse of God's character and are assured that God is the essence of that which lasts forever, that which God's grace assures us we will share in. Truthfully, I cannot imagine a more fitting passage to welcome us back into the sanctuary this morning. The pregnant question in our midst remains, why come to church at all? Does it matter? Does it last? And yet, all I can think about is how relieved I am to see your bodies fill the pews and to make eye contact without the cover of a screen. I'm so comforted that I haven't forgotten who will be the first to arrive and who will be the last to leave. I'm delighted to see that some of you have taken to your familiar pew and heartbroken to see the empty spaces where we've lost some of our beloved companions. My heart soared when we finally changed the hymn board this week that was preserved from March of 2020 to reflect the passing of 15 long, painful months. Truthfully, it feels a bit like being a kid on Christmas morning, anticipating your arrival. And yet, it won't take long until you remember how off-key and loud your pewmate sings, or how you really wish we were using a different Eucharistic prayer. But today, I hope we can all celebrate in ways that our hearts need most and that feel safe. Hold on to this joy as long as you possibly can. And take comfort in the fact that it is all fleeting. None of it is perfect. None of it will last forever. But if we allow each time we gather together in whatever way that is possible, we catch but a pale glimpse of the joy and relief that will only be magnified in eternity. Our soul nourishing relationships, the love we have one for another are but a shadow of the relationship God desires to have with us, not just in this life, but for all of time. Love is that which lasts forever. Legend has it that John of Patmos, whom you'll recall is the evangelist credited with authoring the book of Revelation, was once approached by a younger monk who asked him, why do you always write about love? John replied, because in the end, there is nothing else. In the end, God, who was made known to us in the flesh as love, is that which lasts forever.
Amen.